to set this in the context of where we're going to go. For the next few weeks and into the summer, we're going to be continuing to travel along with the beginnings of the early church in the first part of Acts. We're going to continue on that journey. You know, uh, you might remember that over the past few weeks, we've thought about uh, Acts 1, ascension, Jesus going back up into heaven. And remember, we spoke about Jesus commanding the apostles to wait on the Holy Spirit and to witness, to be witnesses to him. Um, and then we, we've also focused quite a lot on Pentecost, of the coming of the Spirit. And over these few weeks, we've been thinking about and talking about being people who are in step with the Spirit, being people who listen to God, who listen to what it is that God is saying to us, how he's encouraging us, how he's leading us, how he's guiding us. Um, and so I thought it'd be, for over the next few weeks, I thought it'd be really encouraging for us to just continue on that journey, to continue to look at the very beginnings of the church after the Holy Spirit came and filled the apostles all the way through sort of the first part of Acts. So we're going to continue through that uh, over the coming weeks, so I hope you're excited for that. Uh, if you've been wondering what to uh, read in your Bible times during the week, can I encourage you to hang out in Acts uh, for a little bit? So I'm going to read to us uh, from Acts chapter 2 to start with. So this is Acts, two chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a passage of scripture that I've been really excited about for a long time. Uh, like even sort of growing up as a teenager in church, even when I was at uni, like beginning to think through theology, I kept coming back to this passage and I'm super encouraged by it in one sense. What an amazing picture of the apostles, you know, gathering together every day, praying with one another, breaking bread together, sacrificially selling things that they had and giving to others as they had need and seeing people come to faith all the time, daily, the Lord adding to their number daily. Like what an incredible picture of the church. I even wrote my first dissertation. Uh, I say that as though I've written many dissertations, but it was my first one of two, I think, uh, about, about this passage, because I was trying to grapple with the idea, what does this really mean? What does it mean that this was a picture of the early church, the first church that sprung up after the Holy Spirit came? But what does it mean that the church doesn't always necessarily look like that? today and that challenged me and that still challenges me so I've been hanging out in this passage for a long long time but I've been excited about it as well because I'm excited about that vision for what it could mean for the church to look like that for what it could mean for us to be a people who are willingly going to sacrifice the things that we own to support someone else in the church who are willingly going to gather to pray who are willingly going to open our arms to see people come in and be saved and to know Jesus but is it, is it a bit bleak for us? You know, if we look around like this week, if we look at the news, if we look at what the world can sometimes see 
what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Is it a bit bleak? Is it a bit bleak to see what people might think of us, what people might think of what we do and what we say, of the policies that Christians influence? Does the church look like the church in Acts chapter 2 that we've just read about? But before we think specifically about giving, I just wanted to remind us and encourage us this morning that this, what we read in Acts 2, what I've just read to us, it's not, a, it's not a checklist of stuff that we need to get done in order to be church. It's not a list of things that we need to strive for, that we need to look to achieve. It's not that we need to have a meeting and say, are we ticking this box and are we ticking that box? How are we striving to be people who look like that? Of course we want to be a church that looks like Acts 2 church. But Jesus didn't command us to be a church that looks like an Acts 2 church. Jesus commanded us, as we've remembered for weeks, to wait on the Spirit and to witness to him. And as the Spirit came, as the Spirit filled the people, as the Spirit moved amongst them, that was when they began to gather in that way. That was when the church was born and they began to meet together and they began to break bread together and they began to sell their possessions and give to one another. So let me encourage you this morning that everything we're going to speak about is within that vision of what it means to be church, that vision of what it means to be family. Who are we first? Well, we're people who follow Jesus and Jesus says, wait on my spirit. And so that's what we do. We gather and we wait on the spirit. And the spirit is the one who stirs up in us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's what it says in Galatians 5. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And those are not things that we need to strive to do, but those are things that bubble up in us when we wait on him. So if you come to church on a Sunday morning and you wonder, what the heck are we actually doing? What we're doing is we're waiting on the Spirit. We're waiting for him to come and to fill us and to encourage us so that we might become people who look like that Acts 2 church. And actually, I'm encouraged weekly when I look around to think and see the fruits of what the Spirit is doing, how he's binding us together, how he's uniting us, how he's leading us, how he's speaking to us, how he's healing us, how he's being so faithful to us. I am super inspired by that. So let me, be, let me encourage you this morning that the Spirit's on the move, He's speaking to us and he's creating us into these people that he intended for us to be, that the world might see who Jesus is and come to follow him. Amen? So I wanted us to, ha- to think a little bit about giving uh, in the context of this passage. You know, it says all the believers were together. They had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were people who gathered together and who gave sacrificially to one another as people had need. What an incredible thing to say about a group of people. And like I said, you know, giving isn't something that we talk about uh, in talks all the time, but it's not something that we need to be ashamed about. It's not something we need to be embarrassed about but it's something that we get to talk about honestly. It's something that we get to acknowledge as part of our worship that God has called us to give back to him the things that he has given to us, and that includes our money. 
Uh, I've got two examples for you, two stories of uh, giving that I want to kind of hinge this on uh, this week that I heard, and I have permission to share these stories. Uh, the first one is uh, on Thursday, it was uh, my eldest daughter Sophia's sixth birthday. I have a six-year-old. <sighs> I cannot. Anyway. Uh, and uh, what they do at Sophia's school is they're allowed to take in uh, like cakes or whatever to share amongst their class, but they're also allowed to take in a box of chocolates to go around and share with the teachers and the staff. And that's nice, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, Chris wants to work there. Um, and I can't describe to you what a big deal this is in the life of Katie understands, because Sophia and Thomas, Katie and Charlie's son, are best friends at school. And uh, there was a lot of chat about who is the person that I'm going to take with me to go and hand the chocolates out. You're allowed to choose two friends. So there's a lot of uh, politics involved. Uh, but this, you know... A birthday is a big deal in the life of a child, but of anything, of all the things that she got to do for her birthday, taking these chocolates round to the teachers was like number one job. 2 Corinthians, this famous verse in 2 Corinthians, it says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And if I'm honest, like I've struggled with that because I know I should give and I do give and I have been giving, but do I give cheerfully or do I give dutifully? You know, and, and there's a lot to be said for duty, but this picture of a child giving to a teacher, that's really for me a picture of cheerful giving. Giving out of a desire to just want to give back to someone who has given so much to you. And I wanted to take this moment as well to say thank you to all of you. You know, this is a super generous church. You are a group of people who give above and beyond in order to see the kingdom come in this place. And I'm so moved and encouraged by that. This place runs by majority on money that is given from amongst us, in, from people in this room. You know, we run this place together. We do this stuff together. And when we say that, that's true. You know, we mean that. We give into this place together to see the kingdom of God come. And I'm really, really excited about that. I hope that you are too. Uh, so let me encourage you to give, if you can, to give cheerfully back to the God who has given infinite things to you, to give back to him with cheerful giving. So I wanted to give some practical thoughts on how we give. And these are three Ps. These are not my three Ps, uh, but I've stolen them. <laughs> Firstly, when we think about giving our money, uh, let's think about giving our money as a priority. Let's be people who give out of what comes first, not what's left. You know, people who give out of the paycheck as soon as it comes in, rather than waiting to see what coins there are left at the end. Let's give as a priority if we can. The second P is percentage. Um, and I want to really encourage you to decide on a percentage to give. 
It's a really, really helpful way of holding yourself to account about how much you intend to give, how much money you intend to give. Lots of people choose 10%, but there's no magic blessing that comes with that. Um, some give more, some give less than that as, you know, as they're able. But really, it's a really helpful way of setting a standard. And it's also a really helpful way of measuring when it's possible to up the percentage as well. Um, and a reminder that the percentage that we should be choosing really is 100%, not that you need to give 100% of your paycheck to the church, please pay your bills, um, but that actually we recognise in our giving that everything that we have, everything that we've been given, has been given to us by God. It's God's, it belongs to him, and he's given it to us and entrusted us with it. So in that sense, you know, we need to, with our attitude, give 100% to God. And that means thinking about where our money goes across the board, not just thinking about how much we give to the church and how much we give to charity, but thinking ethically about where is our money going? Where am I investing my money? You know, 100% of your money, 100% of what God has given you is his. How are we honouring that? How are we stewarding that? And how are we giving it back to him? So let me encourage you to think about percentage. And then the third P is progressive. Let's have expectation together that our giving is going to grow. I've been getting so excited as we've been gathering each week. Um, you may not know, but Phil and I gather, uh, get together on a Monday and we look through who's been here on a, on a Sunday, how many people have been here. And we do that because we're trying to spot what God is doing. We're trying to spot the growth that God is bringing us. And you know, God has been growing this place. The numbers are on the up. And that's really important because that means the people are here. You know, we look at numbers because they're people. And we're really, really excited about that. But as we, and that's just one measurement of the growth that we're seeing in this place as well. But as we see that, let's be encouraged by that. And let's be expectant that God is going to grow his church. And let's be expectant that our giving is going to progress with that as well. So I want to challenge all of us this morning. I've been challenged by that this week. If you have been uh, here for a long, long time, uh, Simon and I, my husband, we've been here a long time, and our giving just goes out as a direct debit, which is a good thing, but also it means we sometimes don't think about it. You know, we don't, it, it just goes out. It's just something that goes out. And actually, let me encourage you, if you've been giving for a long time, Let's think about that progressive part. You know, can you take time every six months to review how much it is that you give? Not because necessarily your pay is going up every six months, although I pray that it would. Um, but, you know, let's be praying that God would continue to challenge us, continue to help us to progress in our giving as he is growing the church. And let me also just acknowledge as well that I'm not blind to the fact that the cost of living is going up. Uh, often, like, rent is on the up, groceries is on the up, bills are on the up. I know that. I, I really know and feel, believe me, and feel that. But what it look like for us to be a group of people, not who ignore that, but who look to us, look to this family as a place where we can give what we can give, and God is going to grow it exponentially into the things that he's doing. And let's have faith for that. So what, do we, what should we do? Well, uh, here's what we should do. Two challenges. If you don't give already, and this is home for you, and this is family for you, 
Let me con uh, challenge you to consider giving regularly to the life of the church. And you can do that in lots of different ways. Uh, let me encourage you to go over to sps.church forward slash give. Um, you can do that by direct debit. You can do give as you earn. There are loads of different ways to give regularly into the life of the church. Uh, if you're a taxpayer, you can gift aid your donation as well. Um, let me challenge you to go away and to think about how you can give regularly to the church, thinking about those three Ps. How can you be a person who gives regularly into the life of the church? Uh, and second challenge is, if you are a person who already gives into the life of the church, um, maybe it's time for a little giving review. You might be better at this than Simon and I, uh, but maybe it's time to sit down with your finances, to look through it all and to think, is it possible to pray? Is it possible for me to give more into what we're seeing happen in the life of the church? It's a really exciting time for us as we see growth. We're seeing growth on a Sunday morning. We're seeing growth in our community projects. This is a way of us showing the Lord that we've got faith for him to do more. So let me read to us again that verse. Each of us should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What is it? What's your apple that you're going to offer to the teacher today? Should we stand together?